This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Shouldn't you be at work? Clean sheet, I call it, is uh, one of the most important things in, in football. Nice to see Holt fans here. Emil Heskey, could it be five? Yes, it is! Paul Bowden to take it. Oh, and he's hit the crossbar! Gerard, it's Carroll! What a goal by the England striker! That's why he was brought in and he's done the job. Saved! John Pickford! Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh it happened! No! Hello and welcome to episode four of Quickly Kevin Will He Score, the Euro Specials. I'm Chris Gold. Joining me, as always, Josh Widdicombe. Hi, guys. And fresh from his nil-nil with Yuri Geller, it's Michael Martin. Hello. And also, uh, making a special full episode appearance, a rarity on Quickly Kevin, but it's his Euros debut and um, he's Quickly Kevin royalty, so why not? Hello, Tom Parry. Absolutely delighted to be here. Thanks for the call-up, guys. No worries. Uh, thank you for doing it. Um, also, um, well, we'll come to how you're enjoying the tournament. We'll come. Well, no, no. Let, let's get thirty seconds of your mood. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I'm really enjoying the tournament. But that, I think, I'm trying to separate my enjoyment of the tournament with England's achievements in the tournament. I'd say all therapists would recommend that. Uh, it feels like my first mature football tournament in that regard. I feel like this is. I don't think I've ever been able to approach a football tournament like this before where I've kind of separated my England concerns with the enjoyment of the rest of the tournament. The day after Scotland v England, you were enjoying Germany's marauding wing-backs. 
I, I mean, I, I was, I was actually pleased to be proved right. Like this is the first tournament I've gone into where I was actually really pessimistic about England's chances. I kind of really, I, I actually didn't expect us to do very well, and so I, I actually felt like we're doing okay with what I was, with what I was anticipating. So you, you essentially feel happy and vindicated. A little bit. That's what I'm trying to. That's what you're delighted. That's what I'm not. I'm trying to get around. It's like I, I, I won an argument with my some brother. Positivity about, here. I thought we were booking. <laughs> Some positivity. <laughs> What's going wrong? Let's do the 90s o'clock news and we'll come to England. From the headquarters of ITN, News at 10, with Chris Scull. David Platt reveals astonishing Euro 96 fact. Jack Grealish doesn't know a word. And how Steve Froggart met his wife. Three great headlines. Great headlines. This, uh, this first one. So Sky um, Sky Sports are doing a kind of Euro 96. Uh, they're doing a little mini series where they go and try and meet as many of the Euro 96 squad as they can. And I watched the episode with David They're Pack. struggling to get Steve Howey. <laughs> trying to track him down. <laughs> they must be savouring it for later in the tournament. <laughs> He's not there yet. Trying to agree a fit Steve Stone. <laughs> Some intern getting bollocked in the, in, the sports, in the Sky Sports office. Get me, Steve. How, you had one job, Anthony. <laughs> Do you think they, were, they, they kicked off? They looked at the squad and thought, Steve Howey's probably the most approachable and easiest one to find. But they couldn't get hold of him. So they've been bogged down in weeks of admin and they haven't got caught with anyone else. Steve Howey's gone off grid. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like a scene from a film, isn't it? I haven't heard that name in a long time. <laughs> it's like he's going to be whittling on a piece of wood. Kind of thing. <laughs> Steve Howey's been dead for 50 years. <laughs> I don't go by that name anymore, son. <laughs> Goes to the shed and dusts off his old boots. <laughs> he's, he's actually in witness protection. So it was a real... Because he witnessed... He actually he witnessed Newcastle's capitulation at the end of the season. Season at 1996. <laughs> <laughs> he on Terry McDermott. <laughs> on Terry McDermott for not doing any defensive coaching. Anyway. Sorry, anyway. Uh, my, my David Platt fact. So after England played Switzerland, this is what David Platt says in the interview, on the Monday after, they were contractually obliged to do a corporate golf tournament so he was paired with Alan Shearer and they had to go with some sponsors. And and on like the ninth hole, David Platt hit a driver and tore a load of stomach muscles. So that's what? why David Platt missed England versus Scotland. Because he injured himself on a corporate golf day in the <laughs> after the first game. How hard how hard is he trying to you gotta let the club do the work, Dave? <laughs> how hard is he trying to hit, how hard is he trying to hit that ball to tear all his stomach muscles? Come on, his technique can't be correct, can it? It's got to be a correct technique. You're trying to happy Gilmore it or something (laughs) to entertain the lads. Did he take a run off? (laughs) Like, come on. God damn it. Platt is the least rash man as well. In that whole squad, you'd think he'd be the least likely to try and tear a ball in half on a golf Watch course. this, guys. I can do 200 yards with a putter. See if, <laughs> see if you can stop me. Was he going round with Gascoigne and he got inside his head? He's thinking, I've got to do something. This guy's hilarious, man. He's driving the golf buggy at people. He's getting... He's- Okay, guys, watch this. <laughs> Got to bring a bit of personality to this round, man. That is amazing. <laughs> also, wow. what are they doing? Making them do a corporate golf day. That's like, astonishing. That is, 
That's so 90s, isn't it? That is crazy. Yeah, to do something like that. An astonishing decision to do a corporate golf day during the during Euro ninety six. Let's get injured on the golf course as well. Amazing, Uh, amazing. Um, Uh, What have we got on Jack Grealish? Our second top story. I don't know if you heard Jack Grealish's interview this week, where he was pointed out Dean Smith. Dean Smith made a comment about Jack Grealish that was then passed on to Jack Grealish. Uh, in this news conference, and this is what Jack Grealish had to say about the, the compliment from Dean Smith. In a minute, but Dean Smith also says you're an encyclopedia of football. Where, where does that come from? A what? An encyclopedia of football. I don't know what that means. Listen, inside, we... <laughs> <laughs> he got a compliment. You're an encyclopedia of football. No idea what it means. <laughs> How do you not know encyclopedia is a word? Is it because we had in Carter and it was everywhere? <laughs> Jack, what Jack Grealish is posting Carter. He should have called it's him a Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Yeah, if he'd have said Wikipedia yeah. of football, he probably would have got it. Wouldn't yeah, he? Jack Grealish would never have had a door-to-door encyclopedia salesman. Do you, do you not even think realized. he's seen that episode of Friends where Joey gets one of the letters of the encyclopedia? It's just a different generation. <laughs> that word is now out of circulation for the England squad. That's. Do you think he doesn't know the word encyclopedia, or he doesn't understand how how the context of encyclopedia of football works? Do you know what I mean? That's what you've got to hope. You've got to hope that that's what the case is, right? You've got to hope that yeah. he doesn't quite understand what Dean Smith's saying with that. Yeah. So what is Dean Smith saying? He's an encyclopedia. But he knows loads about football. Josh, if I bought you an encyclopedia of football, talk me through the contents. I presume, well, obviously they'd be like, <laughs> all the World Cups with the top scorers, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. But I think if someone described you as an encyclopedia of football, it would imply you knew lots of facts about football. That's yeah. one. And I'm actually quite surprised by Jack Grealish there, because I wouldn't, if you said which England player is an encyclopedia of football, I wouldn't have thought Jack Grealish would be the no. one. I don't know who I would, who would you no, go you wouldn't, for? You would not for him to be on your quiz, on your pub quiz team. I'd go, I think Harry Kane would probably be an encyclopedia. Yeah, I think Harry Kane. Um, John Stone seems like quite a cultured individual. Yeah, what, because he, he's willing to play a, a raking pass from defence? Yeah, I think that maybe that's it. His extra touch at the back makes me think he, he's going to know his history. I don't think we've ever done it on the show before, but I think it's worth a worthwhile question. If you had to room with one of the current England squad, who would you choose? Because I think I'd go for John Stones for that very reason. Connor Cody for me, hands down. Connor Cody seems like the nicest bloke in the whole world. Plus, he's uh, not going to be stressed about playing. <laughs> <laughs> We're just having a nice time. Who would you go for, Michael? I think I'd want one of the elder statesmen of the team. I've got no interest in the sort of youth and japes that would go on with anyone below 25, 26. I think someone like <laughs> yeah. uh, Kyle Walker, perhaps, because I don't think if you're at City, you're, you're going to be a pro. And also, he's old enough now to be past it. I don't, I'd hate to have Grealish or someone like that. Someone a bit cheeky. Someone oh, this is your worst nightmare, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you not, not think Kyle Walker's going to be quite a surly presence? Though? I don't mind that. No. I don't mind that. I'll, look, I'll play a game of FIFA. We don't say anything. Just say goodnight at the end of the day. I'm, I'm totally happy with that. <laughs> who would be, if you were going to spend a week handcuffed to an England player, who would be the most awkward to be stuck with? Harry Maguire strikes me as someone. No, I think Maguire would be one of my first picks. Oh, um, yeah, actually. No, he had that tear up in Greece, didn't he? No, he might be all right. Well, that, that's not why I'd want to be handcuffed to him. <laughs> he, he knows his way away. He knows his way around a pair of handcuffs. <laughs> He's used to it. 
if you move around, they just rub you more. <laughs> Cheers, Harry. <laughs> uh, does that meant we don't have any time to discuss Steve Frogger's skull? Sadly, we're out of time. Let's move oh, on. What? Oh, we'll no. do it next time. Oh, sorry. Sorry, next time. Um, Shreed, have the electronic price bag. I've just got one quick omen. Do you want to hear it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spooky music, please. Thank you to... I saw this... A few people pointed this out on Twitter. Uh, the one I saw was from Lewis Matthews. This is a weird omen. ITV... I'll read this tweet from Lewis Matthews. ITV once again need to take the blame for last night's draw with Scotland. By way of an update, since France 98, England's record at tournaments now stands at this. ITV played 24, won 4, drawn 12, lost 8. BBC played 22, won 15, drawn 3, lost 4. Last time England won in 90 minutes on an ITV, Jude Bellingham was eight years old. Hashtag ITV curse. Wow. So our win record on ITV is appalling. Four wins from 24 games. BBC, 15 wins from 22 games is the ITV curse. So do you think the BBC is like playing at home? Do you know what I mean? Like It feels like... That's how it feels, yeah. That is exactly how it feels, isn't it? And do we know who what the check game is on? It's on ITV, confirmed. Well, that's fine because we don't need to win that. Does that mean BBC get first dibs on the second round? Because I think that's how it works, isn't it? That that would be ideal. And then semis in the final, it's on both. So so yes. then the quarters is problematic. Well, there we go. Yeah. That is that is a fascinating stat, presumably based on absolutely nothing, right? Yeah, it's ITV. There is there is something. France, like Brian Moore commentating on England Argentina, there is something about ITV. We go out on ITV. That's yeah. what it feels like, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. totally. I've read that and it was like, stats, yeah, mate. I've, I've always sensed that. And there it is. You haven't, I've always sensed Oh, I calm down, Yuri. <laughs> those, those stats make absolute sense to me. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Completely. It's like when uh, when you find out we're playing in a certain kit and you're like, go, well, that's it then. We're, we're, we're done for. Yeah. You know, like you just go, well, why are we doing that? Why are we, why are we playing that? If it's semi-final and we're in our away kit, then what are we doing? We're going out. Yeah. Oh, um, God. Well, there we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a positive. Let's get into the letters. Let's get into the electronic post bag. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the electronic post bag. You've got mail. We've had lots of good letters over the years about ways to improve football. This from Graham Dodds is a fascinating uh, email called Improving the Euros, and I'd like your take on how this would work. Hi guys, love the podcast, etc, etc. More pressingly, I've come up with a foolproof way of improving the Euros that doesn't involve a chaotic 10-year-old or remote-controlled car, as we have previously discussed. The idea is a simple one. Every match requires that both sides feel at least one debutante. So, squads would comprise the existing 26 plus seven uncapped players to give coverage should they go all the way. This would offer some intriguing tactical choices. For instance, would you not play Wright and Bellingham just before the tournament to preserve them as your uncapped players? Do you hold on to your best options to the latter stages? Or do we have the unlikely spectacle of Patrick Bamford starting ahead of Harry Kane should England make the final? (laughs) <laughs> Pleasingly, this could all also see us take even more right-backs as the likes of Wambasaka, Cash, <laughs> Walker-Peters and Lamperty make the squad. Finally, and most importantly, this rule being in place historically would surely have given Steve Bruce even more life experience to draw on for one more book in the series. I think that's a fascinating uh, a- additional rule you could add to major tournaments. What, what are your thoughts? 
I mean, there's something in the eye. I think, well, I think it's insanity, actually. Yeah. I'm not saying we'd actually, I'm not saying we should actually do this, but I'm saying it raises lots of interesting tactical questions, I think. Yeah, well, I think I think what it, that's led to is like the better suggestion, which is you have to use all of your squad. Oh, the, you know, like you have to play every member of your squad in order to be allowed to win the tournament. Oh, what for, for a certain amount of time? Yeah, I'm just trying to th- I'm trying to work through how you do it, or like in or in the group stages, you have to make sure that everyone gets it minutes or something like that. But, yeah, isn't there isn't there a similar there's a rule in Germany? That has resulted in players getting substituted after thirty seconds. Isn't there a national league? I've been watched some of that recently, and you you see you see teams fulfil their obligations in terms of the starting lineup, then make that sub straight away. So oh, that that's going to smart immediately. You'll get workarounds. Yeah, well, you you will and you won't. Basically, you've got to take seven players that ha- I think they'd have to play for the full ninety minutes. It'd just be so exciting for players for the last six months before a Euros. You would never be playing anyone who could make their first cap because you'd be thinking we've got to have seven new players to take to the Euros. Like someone like Jack Grealish probably wouldn't have ever played no. or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Played, yeah, he wouldn't have played yet. But all, all, ultimately all you're doing is that then the tactics become just about, about denying these brilliant players first team experience because you're just holding back. So you're denying the player the chance. Also, That's what imagine happen. the thrill of the player who makes their debut in the World Cup final. <laughs> yeah. Not for me. I mean, I, like just in terms of psyche, <laughs> this, this I think says a lot about me yeah. as someone in terms of handling nerves and stuff. But just give give me a you know give me a qualifier against San Marino, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't don't please don't lump me on in the in the second half of the semis. That idea has been thrown out. We're going to have to stick with the ten-year-old uh, kid running around and having to tag them as the uh, as the idea that we think would improve football. Uh, just on that point, did you did anyone watch Wales Italy earlier? Did yeah, you when they what? brought on the yes. goalie with three minutes yeah. left. What? Yeah, why? Why did they do like? I, I watched that and thought Peter Shilton would be livid. <laughs> <laughs> get Chris Woods yeah. on. Get your cap. Go on, mate. <laughs> Why? It's such a weird thing to do, isn't it? With like a minute left. Because what's the keeper getting out? What's anyone getting out of that? Imagine if he conceded. It would have been hilarious if he conceded. <laughs> what was the tournament where they brought the keeper on to, save the, in, to do the penalty shootout? I think it was Vaughan, wasn't it? Or someone in... Uh, it was Holland against someone yeah. in 2014. So it was like shades of that, but obviously without any chance of a penalty shootout. Yeah. Unless it, this goalie's very good at closing the game out. <laughs> He's got a really slow goal kick. <laughs> kick it really high. <laughs> um, this is from Andy Thompson. He says, "Warning, not nineties." However, came across this on Twitter. A player profile uh, from the Charlton Athletic program of their all-time top scorer, Derek Hales. This is, uh, you know, those question-answer player profiles. This is mm. phenomenal. I'll read you some highlights. Full name: Derek Hales. Uh, birth date. Uh, 15th of the twelfth, 51. Married, yes to Carol. Pets, none. Nickname at club, none. Favourite British player and why, none. Favourite pl- foreign player and why, none. Favourite British side, don't have one. <laughs> Best ever British side, none. Best ever international 11, none. Favourite away ground, don't have one. Favourite stadium in which you have played, none in particular. Best goal scored, I enjoy all the goals I score. 
Best goal scene scored. Don't have a favourite. Most difficult opponent. All opponents have a job to do. Most memorable match. I don't have one. Biggest thrill, birth of my son Danny a few weeks ago. Biggest (laughs) disappointment, being treated unfairly. Favourite of the sports, golf, shooting, open brackets, wildfowl, close brackets. (laughs) Miscellaneous likes, going out shooting. Miscellaneous dislikes, tolerating boring people. (laughs) Favourite meal, meat pudding. Oh, God. Favourite at, at least we know the answer to the question who's the worst roommate from Charlton Athletic? <laughs> best film seen this year I don't go to the cinema um, <laughs> best friend in my family biggest influence on career people who have given me a chance biggest drag in soccer coach travelling superstitions none international honours none This personal ambition to be happy I think you might need to go a bit there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> if you a foot, weren't a footballer, what would you be? Don't know. Career after playing, haven't thought about it. Best youngster to watch, none. Which person in the world would you most like to meet? No one. Advice to youngsters, don't think the game is a one. Interview ends. <laughs> Career after football, has he thought about being a chat show host? Because, uh, you know... <laughs> He's really got the gift of the gab, hasn't he? It's absolutely <laughs> phenomenal, that, isn't it? Do you think he's just taking a disliking to the interviewer or he just yeah, I has wonder. no time for that kind of thing? Do you it think... feels like the one there, boring people, feels like a bit of a dig, a bit of a jab. Yeah. He's an old he's old school and he, he's meat pudding. He does his business on the pitch. And someone's come to him and gone, look, you've got to go and chat to the programme person. And he's like, fuck off, have I? And it's like, you've got to. You're contractually yeah. obliged, but you know he's old school. This guy, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do the the media bullshit. Because it's not even you know? like obviously this was way before email, <laughs> so this was would have been done face to face or or bare minimum down the phone. Do you know what I mean? So this is this is a transcription of what he said. He, he's an early kind of model for like Naomi Osaka, isn't he? He, he set the tone for this. You know, <laughs> I think we should applaud this guy. <laughs> We're champion of soccer now. Like I feel like this guy, yeah. he set the bar, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> He's just brilliantly media trained. Don't give anything away. Don't give them any any story to get for the press to get their teeth into, okay? Imagine sticking him into, you know, like the BBC are doing like all this kind of, you know, extra kind of podcast content where it's all a little bit zany and off the wall and like singers yeah. a song and stuff. Like imagine him, imagine throwing him into that kind of the modern media maelstrom. It'd be absolutely spectacular. <laughs> he He's famous for having an on-field fight with teammate Mike Flanagan uh, in an FA Cup tie against Maidstone in 1979. And after football, he ran a pub in his native village, Lower Halstow, and Matt... You've got to have the gift of the gab to run a pub, haven't you? I mean, come on, mate. Not if you're serving really luxurious meat puddings. <laughs> you go for the meat puddings. Yeah. You stay for the scintillating chat. Quite, it's quite tonight, isn't it, Derek? Yeah. <laughs> have you thought about getting a jukebox in here? No. <laughs> I, thank you for all your emails. If you've got anything that you want to send us, uh, this is how to get in touch. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Okay, well, 
here we are. I suppose we should start uh, by discussing England and Scotland and how we all felt about it. Chris, as our yes. most emotionally volatile member, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did you feel? Firstly, you forget, I know we're in a, we've been a nostalgia podcast for a long time. So the first thing that struck me was that, oh my God, they're so tense, those moments, aren't they? You kind of you forget about that. That was the first England game I haven't watched like with a load of us in a long time. I was just at, it was my yeah. birthday. So I was just at home with my wife, and I just, like when you've just got yourself, it's really hard. it's so tense, isn't it? And yeah. that game it was incredibly tense. The thing I mean, the criticism is obvious for me. Like Phil Foden looked like the only bloke who was going to create anything, and 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 Kane Kane is still Harry Kane. Like it's just mad to me to take those two off because you're just like they're really good. We're getting dangerously close to tactics discussion here, Scott. But I would just say it was just it really reminded me of Euro 2000, maybe South Africa 2010. It just felt like one of those games where you're just like, oh, we don't know what we're doing, do we? Oh no, we're going to get found out. The next game is going to be punishing. I really hope I'm. I just wrong. think you've overreacted so much. I mean, apparently really? you'll be aware of this, that the, the first rule when you do comedy is that you're never as good as you think you are after a good gig and never as bad as you think you are after a bad gig. Absolutely. And I think the English football fans have swung in such a way in the last week from overreacting maybe to the Croatia game to overreacting hugely to the Scotland game. Yeah, abs- I, absolutely. I just imagine, for me, I mean... Imagine what life was like in Euro 96 after the Switzerland game. People yeah. like, if you can't beat Switzerland, you're not going to beat Holland, are you? If you can't beat Switzerland, do you know what I mean? Like, Or if you can't beat the Republic of Ireland in the first game of Italia 90. We barely beat Tunisia in the first game of 2018. Yeah, Italia 90 is the reference to try and hold on to. That's, I, I was texting Fordy and uh, that's what I kept on trying to send him to cheer him up was like... <laughs> The model of Italia 90, where you kind of go, we had a terrible group stage in Italia 90. Yeah. And we were still working out what to do. And yeah, that is the message is like, don't panic. And in a lot of tournaments, you've just got to get out the group and then things happen. You know, we're like you have to wait like for those kind of magic moments. four points from our first two games. Yeah. In a tough group. In a tough group where four points will definitely see you into the, into the, and I'm going to call it the second round because I refuse to bow to this new description of it as the round of 16. Um, yeah, it's, it's the second round. It'll always be the second round where I come from. I didn't, I didn't vote Brexit to call it the round of 16. <laughs> I swear it was, you were saying 94 it was the round of 16. I'm yeah. comfortable with the round of 16. I'm not comfortable I'm with the round of 16. I'm not, that is not a phrase. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. Um, I just maybe I'm maybe I'm naive. You only get a tournament every two, or, or in this case, three years, and we're still in it, and we've got four points. Just chill out and fucking enjoy it. I, I do enjoy do, this do you know positive what? narrative. I do enjoy what, it. What I'm not saying England are going to win it or anything. What I'm saying is, if you're not enjoying it after we've got four points from our first two games, when are you going to enjoy it? This is it. This is supporting <laughs> England. Fucking yeah, smile. It, here's what I think happens, though, is I think everyone, ex- the expectation levels uh, go through the roof, don't they? Before And even like I watched the first game on my own, like like what Scott experienced with the Scotland game. And it's one of the first tournament games in years where I was literally sat at home on my own and watched the game. And I came out of it going, 
oh, I, 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 I don't think we look great. <laughs> and then like, and then I spoke to everyone and everyone was going nuts, going like, we're going to win the tournament. And I was like, oh, I, I think if I'd have been watching that game in a pub and surrounded by everyone going batshit and then we're winning and then we get hammered and it's like, great. But I kind of, I watched it and was like, oh, there was large parts of that game where I thought we were really unconvincing. And, and so like, I wasn't, I didn't expect us to hammer Scotland because Scotland's always yeah. going to be a tough game. It's always going to be nip and tuck. And it was. And obviously they, you know, they celebrated a nil-nil draw like it was a huge, famous victory, you know, all power to them for doing that. But like, I think there's also a point when you go, failing to break down a team that is playing in a five at the back kind of, we're going to play above our station to, we're going to play as a team to, you know, block you. That's that's not going to reflect really the reality of playing Germany in the second round. Do you know what I mean? No, that's but, a very but, different... But this is this, this is what I would say. I think this is the stage of the tournament now, two games in, where, and sorry to go down a comedy industry reference, but it's like when you go to Edinburgh and you think you've got a decent show, and even if the gigs are going not too bad, not too good, but it's when you start seeing other people's shows and you like go... Oh, that's a, that's a show. <laughs> You're like, oh, that, that's a really good show, and you start to look at your own show and kind of go, well, it's all right, but it's it's not that. Like, have you seen Acaster's show? That's a show. And it's like, you, you kind of suddenly realise you're at the same festival as Acaster. And, and I think what you do is two games in, you've watched Italy, <laughs> you've watched Germany find their fit. And you start to realise, like, having gone in with all the talk of, like, do you know what? We could win this. And then, like, yeah, but you watch I think, Belgium, do you know what? I think the like, difference go, of the analogy there, Parry, is, I mean, maybe the analogy doesn't work like that. Maybe, you know, I mean... You judge for yourself, but I'd say at these major tournaments, it's unlike Edinburgh. It's very rarely someone who smashes it for a month. Do you know what I mean? Very rarely in Edinburgh do you hear of a show that stumbled through the first week, <laughs> got well, lucky in the second week. And I mean, then built a momentum. And then built up going a momentum. Into the final <laughs> going into the final Got an easy draw, so they got some easy audiences. <laughs> Do you remember when Greece won the Perrier Award? It was, on, it was on the free fringe. No one saw fucking Greece, and then they give it the Perrier. <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, like, yeah, look, obviously, that's what I'm saying. It's like you have to grow into tournament football. You need a bit of luck. Like, but like, I think what where school's despondency is coming from is, you know, the the, the fluke of our draw. You look at it and you go, in the next round, we are probably going to be playing. Germany. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> go, and then you get to 2010 again. You kind of go, we aren't ready for that yet. We haven't, unless the Czech Republic game is like the, you know, in, in in Euro 96, it's like the Dutch game, for example. But like, you know, I think that's that's the tricky thing is when you were looking for comparisons, Scotland, you know, at Wembley was such an iconic moment in Euro 96. That was when everyone started to believe and that led to well, the Dutch game. Th- and, and you like- know when they, people talk about this long summer of, of everyone loving England in Euro 96? Yeah. Which we yeah. all remember vividly. The long summer of three lions and St. George's crosses hanging out of windows and stuff, right? If you yeah. actually think about Euro 96, that tournament was three weeks long. Right, so if you work back from the final to the semi, 
that's four days or five. But it was the Wednesday, the semi-final, right? We were. It yeah. wasn't pleasant after that. And then you think we drew Switzerland on the first Saturday when people felt like this, and then it was another week until the Scotland game. So actually, between the Scotland game and losing to Germany, that was eleven days. <laughs> But what an 11 days. But that was, you know, the Euro 96, we remember, wasn't even a fortnight. People were pissed (laughs) off for the first week and the last five days of a three-week tournament. People have longer summer holidays. In the middle of that, in the middle of that, we had the We should have lost to Spain in the middle of it as well. (laughs) Yeah, but that Dutch game was the best, the best England game, arguably, of our lives. Like, we demolished Holland, who were... A really good, we're a really good Dutch team. We demolish them off the back of beating Scotland. People go on and on about momentum, momentum, momentum. The momentum of the Holland win then led to us playing absolute dog shit against Spain and fluking through when they had two disallowed goals that shouldn't have been disallowed. I don't think momentum is a thing in tournament football. I think it's the most overrated kind of idea in the world. Michael, what are your thoughts? Well, I disagree on the momentum thing, but we can come to that. I think um, touching on the idea of like people getting too emotional, whether it's um, sort of too enthusiastic or too despondent when England play well or play badly, I think that's part and parcel of tournament football. I think part of one of the kind of joys and also pitfalls of being an England fan in a tournament is that you do get overly invested. You do buy into the fact that we could win this. And then, you know, you beat a team whose best player is 35 years old who you should be beating and suddenly we're going to go all the way. And less than a week later, you draw against a Scotland team, which, you know, not to take anything away from them, they were organised, you know, they fought hard, but we should be beating them. And it's like Gareth Southgate's the worst manager in the world. What was he doing bringing off those players and not bringing certain players on? Like, I think if you can't get overly invested, if you can't... I'm not saying people shouldn't get overly invested at all. But what I'm saying is when you've got four points after two games... I don't think you should be spend you should be spending your life angry at the tournament. And when there's only one team that got six points, wasn't there? Two teams who got six points. Yeah, but I think I think I think that roller coaster of being an England fan in a tournament. I, I don't want anyone watching England, as myself included, to be sat here going rationally, going, "Yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. Like we'll we'll, we'll be okay." Because I want to experience those highs and lows and look back on them and go, "Yeah, that was kind of mad." But in the moment, I want to be kind of swept up in that i want to feel things within a football game and a football tournament that i think only an international tournament with england can bring i think what it does mean is there is a lot riding on this check game now oh god not just i don't just mean the result because we will go through regardless but if we can't do anything like if we can't perform at a level that you would need to to get to the latest stages of this tournament against that Czech team I think momentum does matter I think confidence matters I think the system and the players matter and I think right now he doesn't know what the best system and what the best 11 are and at this stage when you've seen the likes of Italy Germany France all those guys yes points like we are equal to some of them but there are half a dozen teams now that are in a much better place than us in this tournament at every level I I disagree that you I I, I totally agree on that but what I would disagree on is that you have to have, like, there's a lot riding on this Czech game. If you, Portugal in 2016 fumbled to a third draw in their group in the third game, and they pulled it together. You know, in, in Italia 90, England stole a 1-0 win over Egypt and still and just about got through. 
and then and then was on the back foot for the entirety of the Belgium game. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then like, should have lost to Cameroon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was Italian yeah. 90 actually rubbish? We, we, were, <laughs> we were. When you look at it, we were pretty rubbish in Italian 90. Yeah, like, exactly. The, the German game was when we really learned how to play as a team. <laughs> like yeah. genuinely like Belgium yeah. Belgium hit the post twice didn't they and they should have beaten us Cameroon well they were just too volatile really but they did have the measure of us I mean like it is when you look at it and then in but, six in, in 66 we blew our lead against the West Germans and then had a, a goal that should have stood put us 3-2 up so what we're saying is we're at our best when we don't know what we're doing and we just stumble <laughs> our way through well I, I do agree with you Michael I do agree with you on that we are the best we've ever played are always followed by terrible, terrible performances. 6-0 against Panama, followed by defeat to Belgium. 4-1 against Holland, followed by uh, an awful performance against Spain. The problem is, when we think we've had a good result, that's when we get absolute shit. So what we want is a, lack, a lacklustre draw against the Czechs to set Perfect. us up nicely for a victory against the Germans in uh, exactly. the and second then follow round. That with a, and then follow that with a defeat to Sweden in the quarterfinals. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> I actually watched Steven Gerrard's uh, soccer box the other day and he said something really interesting. He said that the best, some of the best, biggest moments in his life always came after like a demoralizing result or something bad yeah. happening. And maybe that's, maybe this Scotland result wasn't quite a disaster, but, but it's bad enough that the squad will be feeling it and want to go out and make amends against the Czech Republic. And that could be the moment that kickstarts the tournament. I think there's a really good argument for that. Well, and and also I think I think Southgate wants to make amends. Hopefully, I mean, like the um, it was the nature of the game, wasn't it? I just thought we, you know, it's because we looked so turgid. I mean, yeah. but, you know, as always with football, though, look, if Stones' header goes in, if if Foden had that moment, didn't he, where it looked like he was going to do a kind of Gazer-esque when the ball dropped for him and it hit him and he kind of landed and and it mm. just slid wide. Kind of go if that goes in, then suddenly there's a different story, and you know. I, I rewatched the highlights because I was in the pub for it. So there was quite a bit that I didn't watch. So when I got back home, I watched the highlights. And I was like, oh, actually, you know, there, there was a, you know, there, that crucial moment early on where Foden nearly scored, Stones hit the post, and then Mason Mount had that chance. Sterling put him through. If just one of those goes in in that first 25 minutes, then it's a hugely different story, you know. And that's there, the, yeah. they're the, 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 you know, the inches that make the difference, really. Scotland throw. Now Donald will get it in a good position and it's a good ball in. It was Adam Short that was blocked. It's a good cutback. Jay Adams' movement's excellent and it's a good block. McTominay and Rice at close quarters. It's headed against the post. England very nearly strike first. Well, he's hung, hasn't he, like a kite there. Really good attempt. I wondered if he was going to steer that in. He just couldn't get the angle on it he wanted. Miss Sterling nabbing the ball from McTominay. And now taking him on. It's wide off Mason Mount and England are starting to crank it up. The rhythm is appearing. Foden, has he timed it right? He's pulled it down beautifully! But passed it past the post, and now the flag goes up for offside. And look at this for a touch. Takes it out the out of the sky. Once more, it's Scotland progressing with a clip into the back for O'Donnell. Great save, Pickford. Lovely attempt that too from Stephen O'Donnell. What an effort from Stephen O'Donnell. 
And that is a tremendous save from Jordan Pickford. Mount. That was fired. And Marshall couldn't get all of his gloves on it, but enough. Kane is wide again. Picked out James nicely, though. And James shot. And at least there was an effort on goal at the end of a, a spell of keep ball. Dykes. McGregor stopped by Mings, but Mings couldn't stop. Lyndon Dykes. And that's a good run from Dykes and a chance now. Adams couldn't sort his feet out. He just doesn't get the first touch right. And maybe, maybe the option to turn and shoot is the wrong one. Over to Hanley. Dykes! Off the line. What a save that is by Rhys James. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant there. Robertson's cross kept away from Dykes. Adams is in on it. But he's just tried to absolutely thrash it. Declan Rice had a look before feeding James. James into the middle. Sterling tries to get in. Where is the ball? Marshall can't get it. Scotland can't get it away. And finally they do. Playground football at the end. Where's McGinn? Who manages to clear it? Fitting way to end it. How much do you care about our draw? The knowledge of who we're probably going to play is what's making me f- you feel down about it. Because I'd say that is my main concern, far more than the Scotland game, is I wish we were just playing someone a bit easier in the second round. I mean, I've tr- kind of traced it through, right? I shouldn't have, because it's <laughs> obvious. But we having a more difficult second round should lead to a much easier quarterfinal. Because our quarterfinal is against the winner of Spain's group or the second place in another group, which doesn't feel that tough at all. Just, I mean, saying. If we, just saying, guys, we're essentially in the semis. <laughs> if we beat if we beat a Portugal or a Germany or a France in that second round, then obviously here we fucking go. Then we're talking. But like that, Yeah. You know, that and that's it. But like, you know, it comes, you know, you think about those tournaments where like I don't know, South Africa or those two Euros on the bounce, or was it the Euro in the World Cup where we went out to Portugal, where you kind of go yeah. like, that feeling. <laughs> it's so hard to not anticipate that feeling again. <laughs> you kind of go, of course we've gone out to Portugal. Our second round is at 5pm on Monday or a Tuesday, depending on whether we finish top or second. I don't think I've got a, a reference point for England playing at 5pm on a weekday in an important game. It always mm. feels like it's... A weekday night or... Well, it always feels like it's a night game, doesn't it? It never feels like our important games or like a Saturday afternoon or something. Do you know what I'm crying out for? I just want us to beat someone good. Like, is that too much to ask? Well, we beat Croatia just, in the first game. Yeah, but are they good? I don't know. Maybe I'm just no, writing them not. off in my head. They're not. No, I know they're what They're not mean. that good, are they, anymore? They weren't good at all. No. And it's like, when you look back to 2018, it's like, we didn't beat anyone good. I'm just... And 2016, you just wind the clock back and back and back. It's like, when was the last time we beat someone good? Like, probably Germany in, in a tournament in UEFA Euro 2000. But they were rubbish that, I mean, in Euro 2000. And they were rubbish. And this is this is the main frustration I've had recently. I've been watching the France game, Germany, Portugal, Spain. You're like... All these countries' success and, and failures have ebbed and flowed. They've all lifted trophies. All these countries. That, what have we done? 
why haven't like where's when when are we going to hit the peak? Like we, we're not doing anything. Like and and on a generational scale, we haven't done anything. While all these other countries have like had great teams and fallen again, we just con- consistently don't seem to have don't get that good team together. But maybe maybe this is the time. Maybe this is our time. I hope it is. You kind of think how how do other nations look at us? Because like I think our problem is in our psyche we put ourselves up there. We're like we're with you know we're in there with the Italys, the French, the Germans, like all the teams that have won tournaments on the reg. We kind of assume we're amongst them because of '66, but actually we're like Sweden. I don't even think it is because of '66 <laughs> that we think of it. <laughs> I, we're Sweden. We are though, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, well, we're like I, Sweden. Yeah, like I think other teams. If you're French, I reckon you look at England and you think they're like Sweden. <laughs> they're, they're an awkward game, but we'll probably beat yeah. them. Yeah. I think it's the way we saw Spain before about 2006. Do you remember? I remember when I was like a kid and a teenager, and even in my early 20s, thinking, why do people talk about Spain like they're one of the top teams? They're not one of the top teams. And even France, when I was a kid before France 98, I was like, they didn't feel like they weren't yeah. us. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and now we're not them. It's that simple, really. No, but but like France, you look at the like the Spanish turnaround and the French turnaround, and schools right. It's like we needed one of those turnarounds in at least one of the last four generations, and it hasn't happened. Like like so, therefore we're not we're not like them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the problem. It's like Germany have done it twice. No, that's it's... what I mean. We're now we're now the team that is talked of as a big deal, but they're not. Do you know what I mean? That, but. I, I, think I draw Skull's attention to the fact that five days ago I was sat here on a podcast with him and he was saying this is the start of a generation of winning tournaments. <laughs> I know. And I it's, hope so. It's absolutely kind of... It's it's mad what a single... A nil-nil with Scotland can do to a man. A draw, a draw can affect someone's view of the last 40 years. <laughs> lose their head. I've, just, I've completely lost my head. I've completely lost your head. I just think you have to look at the nature of those last two performances, though. That's the problem. I don't. I, I think if you rewatch the Croatia game, you kind of go, well, in my mind, it wasn't the complete performance that seemed to be made out to be. It was, uh, it was all right. But we're, it was against a really poor team, and but suddenly, we only suddenly managed to score one goal. Performance has become like be here now, and it was originally lauded, but suddenly it's being reanalyzed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, that's exactly not it. What it. That's was exactly it. It is, it is be here now. It's like actually go back and really listen to that Croatia game, and I think you'll find it, it's just two blokes off their nog on cocaine <laughs> doing four minute in, introductions to songs. Listen to the mix. The mix is awful. <laughs> But then give it, give that Croatia game another twenty years, and people will go back to it again and go. Actually, we were a little harsh there. <laughs> Kelvin Phillips is all my people right here, right now. <laughs> sure, he went to number one on release, but when you re-listen, you know it's not it's not going to be making anyone's all time elevens. <laughs> How do you feel about the Scottish now? Do you do you hope they make it out of the group? Yeah, I've always I always want the the British teams to do well. Like I really wanted Wales to get out of the group. I was really hoping Wales wouldn't get out of the group. What are you? Bit... Yeah, I think fuck. You're Welsh. Fuck I'm half Welsh, I know. But so why I, didn't you I want can't... Wales to get? 
I'm sick. I'm 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 half. Well, no, my mom's Welsh, but I'm English, aren't I? And the amount of shit I have to put up with from my Welsh family, and you know, you take it in the rugby, but then when it comes over to the football as well, and all 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 people who aren't like irrational English fans, we all have to kind of tread this line where we go, oh, we're really happy for you, Wales, and it's like they're absolute arseholes towards us. They're all selling, you know, that video of them celebrating when we got knocked out to Iceland. Like Gareth Bale, all them going mad, loving it. So every time Gareth Bale fucks up in this tournament, like when he missed that penalty, I genuinely jumped out of my chair. <laughs> I was like, ah! But like, but obviously, look at their route now. In their second round, they've got like, they've got their rounds a piece of cake, isn't it? Denmark, Russia, or Finland? Come on! Did they? Did they even have to play that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mad. Like, I think, look, they, it's I like... think Denmark's quite a tough game. They they almost did well against Bel. They did well against Belgium. They were winning at half time, and obviously, if you play Denmark, you're unfortunately playing the team that the whole world wants you to lose to. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no one in the world that doesn't want Denmark to make at least the semi-finals at this point. Surely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, are we gonna have to knock out Denmark, and everyone's gonna hate us even more. <laughs> I, I don't think we are, but yeah. Um, Michael, how are you feeling, positive or negative-wise, for the rest of the tournament? I'd say I'm probably back to pre-tournament like expectations and emotional levels in that I don't think Gareth Southgate is the right man for the job. And I said this before It'd the tournament be the wrong time to change him, though. What would happen? <laughs> would you, do, you, do you think that would be an error? What I decided yesterday, just give it to Steven Gerrard. Just give it to a great player oh my who will gosh, command the respect of the dressing room. Such Someone a, who's just won everything. Skull, have you, are you, have you phoned into TalkSport or are you on this no. podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but like it works in the Germans and Beckenbauer, so many great nations. Just Klinsman? pick a player yeah. and just put him in there. It didn't work with Klinsman. <laughs> <laughs> I think they just put in a great player. What about Frank Lampard's skull? I'd have him. Fine. Fine. Uh, do you know whose favourite I looked up the other day? Dean Smith's. Dean Smith might be the favourite for next England manager. I mean, that's absurd. It's absolute, that's everything that is wrong with English managerial appointments. Like Southgate is almost bulletproof now in this tournament because of the World Cup, even if we limp out in the second round, in the round of 16, which I think if we do, there should be some kind of autopsy where he is removed from the position because what's going to happen is this cycle of like genuinely good players and this yeah. is the best batch of players we've had for a very very long time i don't think he's the man who would you appoint them. michael well i don't know at this moment in time which doesn't help my argument i know but my feeling is if you look at his club record it's it's just not good enough totally, like even totally. at england under 21s level he massively undelivered. He had two below 10th play finishes with Middlesbrough and then got relegated. Like, he's basically England's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Like, we are never going to do well or as well as we should with him at the helm. Can I yeah. ask, rather than replacing him, what do you think he should do in the next game? Like, what do you think he should do? What do you think he will do? Sound the proper punditry klaxon. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love I'd love to see us play on the front foot. I'd also love to see some genuine width. Like Jaden Sancho has had a brilliant season, all right, he was a bit injured, but there was just no creativity in that team whatsoever, apart from Foden, who he then took off. It sort of slightly baffles me how conservative he is as a manager, consistently yeah. conservative. And I just yeah, don't think you get far in a tournament. And like I think that. that's why everyone is so frustrated with the Scottish game was because we yeah, didn't but it's just I, go I think at it. we didn't play with we didn't excite the the crowd. It's just the Scottish game. I, I know, I know, he is notoriously defensive, 
et cetera, et cetera. But I, I don't think you should be overreacting to the Scottish game. I think it didn't help that I watched the game with Alex Brooker, who it was like, <laughs> it was like how I imagine sitting at the Emirates is in that he was basically suicidal after about six minutes yes. at every pass that had gone wrong. <laughs> this is one of the most joyless experiences of my life. I got offered a ticket to the Emirates. Uh, my mate's an Arsenal fan and he couldn't go to the Arsenal Wolves game. And he said, uh, you're going to have to sit in the Arsenal end. That's the only thing. And I was like, look, I'll, you know, I'll go. Free ticket, fine. So I just wore neutral clothes and went and sat in amongst the Arsenal fans. And Wolves took an early lead. And everyone around me yeah. just spent... They didn't equalise until like the 80th minute. So they spent 60 minutes of the game just booing yeah. and slagging Arsenal. And so I just joined in with them. So I was like, <laughs> I was I was amongst the Arsenal fans just going, I put on like a slight Cockney twang and I was just going, oh, you're fucking shit, Arsenal. And everyone was going, yeah, yeah. And I was like, boo. And it was like fucking rubbish. And it was like, it was so joyful <laughs> to do. But like everyone was just like so well, that, ready to that's do what, that. It was that's mental. kind of why I'm taking up this position of just try, of being positive about the whole thing. And then you sit with an Arsenal fan during the England game and you're like, there's literally no pleasure to be had here at all. So maybe I'm just outwardly going, I'm going to try and enjoy the Euros because I'm not looking forward to Qatar and I've waited three years for this. So maybe I'm I'm sure when we lose, I'll be very depressed. But I I think what it is actually is the difference between anger and sadness. I always associate these tournaments with sadness and feeling kind of hope Mm. destroyed. And this time I feel like I'm surrounded by anger rather than uh, hope and despair. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I I understand. I actually think that's an indictment of the way the country's gone as a whole. That everyone's angry about something and everything is a talking point. But twas twas ever thus though. Dude. I know, like, I know. You know, you when you watch the Italia ninety documentaries and like obviously I was too young. I always assumed everyone loved Bobby Robson. Like I was just like Oh no, they Bobby hated was him. always yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I didn't learn that until I was uh, like older watching back on documentary and being like, because obviously I was 10 when Italian Night was going on. I was like, oh, Bobby, everyone's great. Uh, like, obviously, like, it's always been that way in this country. And even like in 66, you know, like we were saying with like, um, yeah. you know, people hated it and like should have picked Jimmy Greaves and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's always this way. It's always I know. This way. And, and this, is, this is the positive to take. Like the story is in England, like everyone, the country's against the team at a point and then they pull everyone back in. But they don't Did do it in that. Euro 96, did it in 66, did it in 90. So maybe this is what we, we needed to go times. through Scotland. Yeah, we've done three times. And countless other times they've just been negative and never pulled it back. So we're just gonna uh, and like the way this draw's gone, we're gonna we're gonna have this incredibly defining moment in the second round where we have to shit or get off the bog. I I actually I know this sounds mad. I'd I'd rather go straight into the next game than play that check game. It, it's, it's kind of weird to go into this meaningless warm up game for what is going when we know that the one after is the real killer, isn't it? Is there any way yeah. we're gonna avoid a good team? That's the thing. I mean, in the second round, <laughs> it, but that is it... one of the good things about the Euros. Is like loads. It's hard. You, you come up against good teams really quickly. Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying this. What happens if we come third, Michael? If we come third, we play either the first team in Group C, which would be Netherlands, or 
possibly Belgium. I think it's one B that we play. So oh, Jesus Christ, you know. that's the last thing we need. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm going to hold on to? Hungary have got a point. Hungary beat France three 0 and then Germany beat Portugal, leaving Hungary second ahead of France on goal difference. And then we play Hungary. It's coming home. Off the back of them beating France 3-0. Oh, come on, Tom. <laughs> Absolutely more. Well, there is a world in which if we come... There's a world in which if we come second... They're looking dangerous. Uh, and we play the second team from Group E, um, and Spain could, as it stands, go out, who are the best team in that group, we would face one of Poland, Slovakia, or Sweden, which I'd say is probably the most favourable draw. I don't know who we play after that, but in terms of round of 16. Oh, what? So if we come second, we play the Spain group? We play yeah. second second team in the Group E, yeah, the Spanish group. And Spain have currently drawn both of their games. So there's a real danger that if they don't get a result against Slovakia, they go out. And Spain aren't looking confident, are they? The other thing to say on that is we are currently second. So we don't need to lose to come second, do we? No. No, that's true. <laughs> we just need to draw. Oh, my God, I'm daring to and dream. And it's not me easy. Czech, Czech are a tough team. I'm daring to dream. <laughs> second place second place oh god do you know what it is i thought i'm gonna come on here and tom Parry's gonna make me feel great about the whole thing and he's actually made me feel like we haven't got a fucking hope <laughs> but, but, but i think that's not a bad place to be because it's from is there it? that it sets you free yeah i think if you think of us as sweden or on a par with those kind of teams and it's like every th- every result we get you kind of go oh yeah that's it so it's when we come in thinking that we're france that's that's the problem yeah. so it's like actually that nil nil against scotland not a bad result for us if we don't lose to czech and you know then anyone's in it then you're rolling the dice it's tournament football oh it's on the toss of a coin you know one brilliant moment david platt pre golf tournament doing that volley in the last minute <laughs> against against belgium that's that's italia 90 you know, it's not that we were terrible against Belgium up until that moment, but you know, if you think about that goal against Belgium, so much of that was done through strength in the rib area. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the area he's ripped. Yeah, is a lot of that turning and shooting is, is is in that body area. So maybe he'd already weakened his stomach muscles then. It was weakened is in it- 1990. It was just it was yeah. a six-year-old injury, just waiting to resurface. It was an accident waiting to flare up. Yeah. Um, there is a wonderful prize at the end for England should they win Euro 2020. Breaking news story this evening. I don't know if we've heard this. Phil Foden says that if England win the Euros, the whole England team are going to dye their hair bleach blonde like him. Surely do it earlier in the tournament. Yeah. Don't wait until you win it. Because what are you going to do? Bleach your hair at home. Yeah. And apparently it was Sergio Aguero's idea. Well, what's Sergio Aguero got to do with the fucking price of fish? He told him that the Romania squad had done it in France 98. And uh, he was like, oh, he's talked to the team. And they said, yeah, if we win it, we're all going to do it. Romania did it in the group stages, didn't they? Yeah, I know. Yeah, they exactly. did, Exactly. Yeah. Get, Phil, get them to do it earlier. So at least if we do go out, we've got a story to tell. Who's, who's, who's looking funniest in that situation? Can't imagine Harry Maguire. <laughs> Wouldn't see him, would it? I'm, I'm not sure Calvin Phillips is going to put off his look. No, with, uh, bleach blonde either. Calvin Phillips keeping the style but changing the colour, or do they? I have think to... so. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got well, to keep the style. Who's saying no? Southgate isn't being approached, is he? Oh my god! Imagine if Southgate. Imagine if the final. We got to the final and they walked out the tunnel and Southgate had bleach blonde hair. <laughs> I would be willing us to lose. <laughs> I think that's what's gone out of the team in the last 48 hours. 
<laughs> Would it all be forgiven if we turn up against Czech Republic and everyone's got their hair dyed? I don't know. Would it be seen as a bit too flippant? Yeah. I mean, we'd have to win that game then. Like, <laughs> they dye their hair blonde. They lose 3 0. Oh, oh. Can I say as well, like, against Scotland, the thing I was most gutted about was like, I thought they were going to recreate the Gaza celebration at Euro 96. I could just imagine England scoring and they would all recreate it. And so I'm extra sorry that we've been robbed of that. But if we can bleach our hair like Romania in 98, that'd be great. See, this is the kind of positive chat I'm looking for. This yes. is what this podcast was all about. I do I do apologize. I've just I just wanted this Euros to be fun and I can feel it, it slipping fun. through It'll my fingers. Fine. It's slipping through our fingers. It should all be about bleached blonde hair. That's what that's what we should be focusing on. Do you like the Italian suits? Can we just ask that before we go? Because we've overrun with our depressing chat. Yeah, I do like it. Did you not think Roberto Mancini is the most stressed man in football? Like, Do you think? He's so stressed out. Doesn't he lose his rag all the time? Even when Italy are winning, he's always got a red face, always like gesticulating. He's so angry. He needs to chill out. It's, just, it's stressful watching him manage. Imagine what he'd be like if he drew with Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone spot Gareth Southgate's coat on the subject of fashion? Yeah, yeah I think it was, it was nice. weird. No, it was weird. It's what was it about? The neck shot. was huge. The top Yeah. Part. It's just, don't make a statement. Do you know what I mean? Just wear a normal coat. You sound like his dad. You sound like he's going out on his first night out and he's come downstairs and he's got a leather jacket on. You're not going out in that. <laughs> There's clearly been a chat, hasn't there, of like, we need something to follow up from the waistcoat. So what about this? That's how it felt. It didn't feel like it was one of his coats. It felt like someone had said, try you, this one. Do you think it felt like the coat was wearing him rather than he was wearing the coat? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that's exactly the case. It's ostentatious. It's it's un, very un Southgate like. It reminds me of like when my sister buys my dad clothes for Christmas to try and make him a bit more relevant, and it's like it doesn't look good wearing them. <laughs> His family have got together and gone. What about this one, Dad? Why do you never wear that jacket? Can't you just wear it for the Scotland game, Dad? Come on. <laughs> I think we should end by saying that I, I thought after the after the when we recorded after the Croatia game, we said. Imagine listening back to this when we're listen- you've got all these podcasts that tells the journey of the Euros. <laughs> and we've just recorded the complete opposite podcast. And um, But imagine listening to this after we've won the Euros and yeah. going, it was that low. I really want to look back at myself and go, what, like, I should have had faith, yeah. please. Can I come back on after the Czech game at some point so we can... I feel like, I feel like I've done you a disservice here, Josh. I, uh... No, you haven't. I, I, do you know what it is? I'm struggling too much with my demons that I know that we're not good enough, but I can't admit it to myself. I think that's the yeah, problem. Yeah. Admit it, it sets you free. Honestly, it sets you free. I don't want to be set free. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, we're back on Wednesday. God, I hope we're in... Oh, God. Yeah. I really want... I just want that feeling after the first game again. Anything left to add, Chris? It'll be fine. Four points, still massive. Czech Republic's huge. We'll see you on Wednesday. Who knows what the world will be like then? Until then, Robbie Slater, see you later. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. 
My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.